listening to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? You're listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN Chicago. Ready for the power play on Thursday night if you watch the Blackhawks take on the Oilers. What is up? It's the Hockey Show. An hour earlier than usual on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I'm Pat Boyle. What's up, Chief? I feel like we got the Eminem going just for you, Michigan man. There you go. But, yeah, that was a wild game. I, I felt like I, I couldn't believe what I was watching in that second period. I think there was a zero seconds of five on five, but it was it was entertaining. And then that's that's really all I want. I just want to be entertained this year. That game delivered. It was probably like the best case scenario if if you are in the thought process of Bedard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was entertaining as hell. Competitive. Patty Kane and and Connor McDavid put on a show. Yeah. Uh, and in the end, you lose, so you don't. Uh, hurt your chances yeah. of everything's a win. Well, yeah, everything's a win. So you you lose, you win, you win, you win. So it, it's it, it's in that middle ground where I think we might have some problems as the season goes along. Where it's like you have to be in one camp or another. And I don't I don't know how it's going to play out. But it was a wild. Game. Yeah, we know the camp that Luke Richardson and the players are in. They're like f you to everybody else. We're going to go play hockey it's, and win. It's games. the movie Major League. Yeah, like I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the management to be like, well, we have to bust our way down to uh, to Buffalo this week. <laughs> Just uh, yeah, take a greyhound. Yeah. Um, so like they win three of four mm-hmm. on the homestand. Are they better than we thought? Are they just on a heater? Uh, was it maybe more the teams they were playing? I, I think it's a combination um, because if you look at things, just like some baseline indicators that would be due for a correction, they're shooting to start the year at 13.7%, which is actually quite high. Uh, when I looked the other day, it was tied with, shockingly enough, Arizona wow. uh, for top of the league. But if that gets corrected... Um, you know, and I would say it is probably due for a correction down to like 11 or something like that. Uh, well, then you might think that the goaltending could get a little bit better too, because it's not like either goalie had been lighting the world on fire. So, like that stuff, it feels like it'll balance out. And the things that they can take with them game to game, which is attention to detail, even little things like their sticks are always in lanes. Yeah. They're always in lanes. They're always great on the forecheck. They're not easy to play against. That stuff. Well, you could say, hey, the puck lock is going to balance out or it might swing one way or another. They're going to be hard to play against every night, and that's, that you're going to get points. You get people coming second half of back-to-back, you're going you're gonna to be in that game. How frustrating was it the last couple of years watching how porous they were defending the house? It, I mean, the, the, the number of high-danger chances. The, the only way they would win games is if Fleury... Or whoever was in that dealie or whatever yeah. was go was standing on their head making ten bell save after ten bell save. Well, that that was uh, one of my favorite little storylines heading into the year last year, where it was well, we're not even gonna. Flurry is the, the best in the league at uh, high danger chances, so it's like, well, we're not just gonna try to eliminate those. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, we're we're just gonna try to get the best goalie we can, the yeah. best athlete goalie we can, yeah. because we know this. those chances are coming because we haven't made any other changes. All right, well, let's go back to Thursday night and that crazy game that the Oilers ended up pulling out six to five. A little uh, little montage that our buddy Charlie Bevins put together. Rebound came through the crease and Domi gets it out to Anthony to see you. Here's Andreas. Happy to see you. Scores! <laughs> 
McDavid blazes over the line and scores. Oh my goodness. Goodness gracious, Connor McDavid. Kane all the way over to Domi. In front, score! The captain, Jonathan Taves. Domi, Kane, Patrick Kane. Across to Radish. One-timer, Domi scores! Good stick by Dickinson, but Edmonton clings to control. McDavid, Deeks, shoots and scores. This guy is unbelievable. A hat trick for Connor McDavid, his second of the season. And Edmonton grabs the lead 5-4. to four. Caleb Jones keeps it in. Over to McCabe. At the Nassio in front, McCabe. Rebound score! Oh! Patrick Kane! We're tied! Block. Kane turns it over to Taves. Picked up by Yamamoto. Down low to Kane. Dreisaitl scores! Gosh darn it. That was Chris Boster. As you heard Troy Murray in the background, he's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. I like that crew. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a solid crew. I know. We it? said it last week, too, but then when you replay the goal calls, the goal calls are right there. The other thing I really liked about those goal calls, at least for the Hawks, it's all the names you want to hear. Yeah. Domi, Kane, Taves. Like, those are the guys that, whatever stance you are on this rebuild, assets, trading, whatever. You want those guys putting up numbers. Yeah. The only the, the only benefit is either you're winning or they're increasing their value. And the the bomb from Domi was, I am a sucker for a good bomb, and that was a rifle to the top corner. So I love that Kane celebration. It was like you know you had to brush the memories away from your face right. because it was just like you just get sucked back into. It wasn't like, quite like L.A. Kings heartbreaker. No, but, but it, it reminded but it, me of it, it Toronto was, against yeah, Austin Matthews yeah, a little was, bit, and it's it nice to see that he still gets so fired up and he's so competitive and he wants to win. Like it was, I had so much fun watching that game, and then, you know, McDavid is just. You, what do you what do you yeah. do? No, what do you do? He is the best player on the planet. There's no question about that, and it's he does things you just can't believe he can do. It's like he's made Anybody out of do. like jello. Because yes. he can have his feet go one way, his hips swivel another way, his shoulders are shimmying, and his hands are moving 100 miles an hour. And it's like, no one knows which way to go. And I, we were talking about this beforehand, but the goal Kurashev had against Florida, where he just walked right around Forsling. But Forsling, you know, I don't know what on happened. one wheel. Yeah, might have had a broken foot. Like, he right. just couldn't move. And then McDavid does that to McCabe, and it's like, well, he just makes everybody look like they have a broken foot. Yeah. Like that's, he's just on that much different level, and it's spectacular to watch. He's, he's incredible. So uh, it, you get the thought that, you know, so it's two straight games that Kane has a goal tonight back in Buffalo, his hometown. You know he's going to want to put mm-hmm. on a show there. Uh, I could see 88 kind of continue this for, for a few more games. And, and then tomorrow night, it's uh, Minnesota at the United Center. How many 88 jerseys? 88 Sabres jerseys, do you think, will be custom-made in the stadium tonight? Probably a few. I feel like we'll see some of yeah, those tonight. The, uh, the courting has begun. Yeah. You know? And I, that is, I think that's what every fan thinks. Like, well, he's our hometown kid. He's coming home. Like, right. we got to get him. We're, and they're they're a fun team to watch. they got a lot of talent. So. I, know, I know you've seen this. We're going to have it on the pregame show on NBC Sports Chicago tonight. The Sylvain Turgeon hockey card from, like, 96 mm-hmm. has... 
little Patty King and his dad yeah. in the corner sitting on the glass. Well, that was a good time to be a Sabres fan. That Classic. Was. And then they had Drury coming in after that. I feel like Kane's childhood uh, was probably pretty good. Ryan Miller, just a lot of great goalies. And then, I don't know, Maxim Fenneganov and McGillney and people like that. But, yeah, so I think, you know, he's he's a hockey lifer. Um, and, and, yeah, I think he, he typically performs uh, on that stage. Like, he, you know, family in the stands. And uh, it was a very cute moment with him, with his own his new family, yeah. PK3, in the stands of the United Center uh, last weekend. Right. After the this uh, show. The afternoon game on yeah. Sunday, because PK3 goes to bed at 7. So most of these games start after yeah. he's already in REM sleep. Yeah. yeah. So uh, everybody's sleeping. Patty Kane's giving other people nightmares, and that's that's the time. So it was. Uh, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to watch the game tonight. These are two teams that I, you know, I think Buffalo is definitely a team that's trending in the right direction. Right. They got... You know, I saw a stat the other day about the top of that 2018 class with uh, uh, Darlene, and all those guys are really starting to take their place as superstars. And defensemen always take a little bit longer. And Darlene has seemingly turned a corner. And our old friend uh, Yokoharu there too. Yeah. So oh, we got to get into uh, nah. the draft picks that have. <laughs> Left. There's nobody, that. nobody left that's a first or second rounder. Zero people. Uh, so 312-332-3776, your thoughts on the Hawks' surprising start to this season. Uh, let's hear from Patrick Kane. Uh, the big question that you know we all want to know, this run that the Hawks are on, is it a fluke? I think, you know, we got a good good structure in here, a good atmosphere. Uh, guys work hard, man. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, I think we could have all the excuses in the world to not play hard and just... Um, could have packed it in this year, but guys are playing hard. Guys want to win. Guys want to prove people wrong, and uh, it's impressive. By the way, sneaky, awesome soundbite, Patrick Kane. Never gives you a canned answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, like, he's an authentic guy, for sure. He really is. Yeah. Uh, do you think if Luke Richardson was coaching last year's team, forget getting off to a 2-9-1 mm. start, do you think they would have made the playoffs? With the talent they had and, and Luke as as the head coach? Yes. Yes. I agree I, with you. I think they do too. Now, they they would have a different look because... They wouldn't play that the the man-on-man half system. That, that too, but like this team, and you could say it, it's less talented perhaps, at least on paper, certainly is, but they're faster. Much so, I so, would agree with so that. So he would have to change his system a little bit, uh, but I think he's a guy who just takes the card he's been dealt and gets the absolute most out of him. And even guy, I know like it, people didn't really love Cal DeHaan here, at least on the internet for whatever reason. Cal DeHaan's a good hockey player. He yeah. would be in the mix. Alex Zabrinkit. I think Kirby Doc, you know, I think the, the early returns on him in Montreal have been pretty positive. Uh, so I, I would have loved to see what a real coach could, you know, like Richardson could do with him. Uh, and then he had Flurry and Nett. Like they, they had more talent on last year's team, obviously. And the margin for error is so small in the NHL that, yeah, I think Luke Richardson in a couple of those games where they're in it and they end up caught, you know, they give up a goal and all of a sudden it's an avalanche against them. I think those go away and they'd be more competitive and we'd have like this kind of DNA with that roster. I think that's a playoff team, which was always the thing that I was like when mostly on board with the Seth Jones trade. It was like, I don't think they're going to win the cup, but give me a guy who can take Taves and Kane and help them get back to the playoffs, and we'll just play some fun, meaningful hockey as we wind down their careers. And I'm fine with that. There's always going to be a Connor Bedard comes along every five years or something like that, okay? So there's always going to be the next great guy. They're already starting to build up this kid, um, 16, got an exceptional status. Like They're always building up that next guy, 
And there's always there's always time to rebuild because you can always rebuild in the future. So I'd rather just I was always like, let's just run it out do the best we possibly can with 1988 and then let the chips fall where they may. And yeah, I definitely think that that team would have gotten more out of uh, Strom, would have gotten more out of Doc. Hard to get more out of Debrinket, but overall, I think you know, and playing a structure that allows Seth Jones to have more success, and he's not running all over the place. Simple hockey, good hockey, hard hockey. Yeah, I think I think Richardson gets that team to the playoffs. We'll hear from Luke Richardson on the other side. Troy Murray joins us at the bottom of the hour. We're sponsored by the Chicago Wolves, who are the defending Calder Cup champions. They had their two game win streak snapped by the Ice Hogs last night. Uh, their record now is two three and zero. Oh. And uh, the Wolves come home to face the Milwaukee Admirals tonight at 7 o'clock at Allstate Arena. A little bit later on, we've got a couple of family four-packs to give away, so stick around for that. 312-332-3776. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show on the AM at 1000, on the FM at 100.3 HD2, on your phone, through the ESPN Chicago app. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. Hawks back in action tonight. They are in Buffalo. That's a uh, 6 o'clock puck drop. Pre-game show is 5.30. Love those as well. And then they're back at the United Center uh, tomorrow night. You've been surprised by the attendance, or is that what you kind of expected with the rebuild? I would say that I was not surprised, um, but... I think it's usually reactionary. I'm wondering how long it'll take of of them playing this way for people to, to take notice and start showing up more because it's been, uh, you know, you look around, it's like, ah, like, come on, like, we're, we're a better hockey town than that, and especially when they're playing well. So I think that, you know, there's a little bit of um, maybe a, a delay factor, and it is early in the season, and it's football, and it's baseball playoffs and everything else, but I, I think – this town will appreciate people that work hard. I think people will start showing up. And, and, and I, count me as one of those because I have not been to the United Center yet this year. But that's mostly because I've been, you know, I have to do the content side of things. Sure, it's easier at home. But I, I'm itching to get to get to the United Center. The, uh, the buy-in to Luke Richardson to me has been uh, the biggest reason why this team has been successful early on. Mm-hmm. I loved Luke as a player. Uh, he was a really good defenseman for over 20 years in this league. Yep. Honest, like an honest, honest like a, a lunch like, pail guy. He yeah. he walks in with I- immediate credibility. You, you didn't even like those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, a hockey DB. I'm like, and like take a look back, and they're like, yeah. oh, okay, this guy's yeah. legit. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. And uh, you know, he's already revamped their defensive style. Mm-hmm. He uh, they have a great penalty kill against. Let's just say not teams, the Oilers yeah. or Colorado Avalanche. Well, no one, no one's stopping. Right, those guys. no one's gonna stop. Them. And it, and it's like you could do, and a lot of those plays that they gave up to the Oilers, they did everything just about perfect. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, well, they're better. Right. So yeah, and sometimes talent's like, well, why didn't you stop Michael Jordan? It's like, well, <laughs> he's it was Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan. exactly. Right. So it's hard to fault them for giving up. Uh, I think four points to McDavid, including that hat trick. So I don't, I'm not even worried about that. But you're right, the PK has been been pretty good and structured and. And it seems like they have the right type of attitude, right type of culture. And the power play's been surprisingly good, which I... I and here's the Stunningly thing. Stunningly good. Seth Jones is finally shooting the puck. Yep. I think last year, 
And maybe it's just natural when you have Debrinket and Kane out there who totally. are working their magic mm-hmm. um, um, opposite circles that you're going to defer to that. Yeah. But he's starting to shoot more. Uh, the PK is, is having to respect that, but also rebounds are then going to Domi on the side, and, and he's got the whole 4 by 6 to throw it into. He, I'm happy for him. It's one of those things where you bet on yourself, but right. then and it's so far it looks like it's working out. And thanks for doing it here. Because he could have done that, and he was like, you know what, I'm going to see if I can get on a line with Patty Kane and be on that power play, and, and he's it'll pay off for him. He'll get a nice deal after this. And, uh, and yeah, Seth Jones, like, they needed him to be a more efficient player, and they needed him to be more assertive, too. And I think, you know, maybe it's a, a situation, like you said, you have Kane and Debrinket, and they're both kind of dueling quarterbacks, dueling pivots on that power play, where it's like, hey, like, I'm the secondary guy. So everything else is gonna everything's gonna flow through Kane, and then if I have an an opening to let one rip, and he and he does, and it's working. So I know you're a dog guy. Oh yeah. Ben Pope has a story on Max Domi. I think it come, came out today, or it's going to be in Sunday's paper. I saw the link. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he's a diabetic, mm-hmm. and before he got the insulin pump and and was uh, was using the latest technology that diabetics use. He had a glucose dog that's been with him who can smell when your blood sugar is either high or low, or I don't know how it, that works. But it's it, one of those things that it's like, I don't understand how smart dogs are. No, I don't, I don't either. I, I don't understand. We have a guy, Chaps, who is a, a dog trainer in the military, uh, in the Marine Corps. And so he had like the, the bomb sniffing dogs as part of his job. And then he has taken that training home. Now his, he's just got these two like kind of mutt dogs that will like your remote's missing. The dog will be like, hey, find that remote. And they'll like sniff out which cushion it's in. So the fact that Domi is able, they can smell your blood sugar. That was the other thing, Chaps, is like the dogs will smell like how we see color. Like that's how very, that's how like precise it's like that's orange, that's red. Like they can smell like that level of detail. So no, no wonder they can find your blood sugar just from smelling it. It's crazy. Yeah. So I got to check out that story. Yeah. It, it looks uh, pretty cool. That's uh, Ben beautiful Pope dog. In the sun time. Yeah, it is a beautiful. Kind of reminds me of Colby's dog, Colby Collins' yeah. dog a little bit. That big golden retriever. By the way, Scott Darling took a a video of one of his dogs. Uh, does he have Great Danes? Two Great Danes. Two yeah. Great Danes. One of them caught a ball for the first time, and he wanted to put it on the sh- on the pregame show. I go, yeah, you know, shout I, out Gary, like, <laughs> you did it, bud. I'm like, way to go, <laughs> caught a ball. Hey, here's Luke Richardson as uh, kind of breaking down what the difference was between the Oilers and the Blackhawks on Thursday night. You know, I mean, I think what it is is we didn't have the finish that they had. They had that killer instinct at the end, and we got to learn to have that, whether it be protecting the, the lead or, or trying to get ourselves the overtime to get a point or doing like they did. Like there, there was a breakdown, make them pay. So, you know, I mean, we got to take that lesson tonight and implement that going forward, just like we have in the last few games, but it was a different outcome for us tonight. One thing I'll say, Chief, is that they haven't played with the lead too much. There's been very, no. they, they've always been in comeback mode, and, uh, you know, slow starts, but but here's the, the the silver lining. Last two years, when they got down to, you could good you night. could say good night and, yeah. and start you know your podcast. Or the Florida game was a game where they had the lead a little right. bit, and then it, they scored two in the third, and you're like, oh boy, here we go. And I'm like getting ready to like, how do I craft these angry tweets? Right, <laughs> sitting there waiting for this lead to evaporate, like I've seen so much in the last three years. It was like, you know what? They buckled down, and then. They, they were up 3-2, empty net, and it was like, who is that guy? Oh, it's Jonathan Taves. 
winning a race, bodying a guy into the corner, and then tucking it in for the, the game, the, the goal that iced the game. So it was like, all right. Like, it was just like all these things where it's like, and that, the Florida Panthers, I think they're, they're going to regress a little bit from what they were last year, but they're no slouch. No. Like that's a, that's no. a playoff team, and that's, you know, maybe you don't have the killer instinct on that night, but we saw them kind of tighten it up there uh, against Florida, was that Wednesday? When in years past that 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 would have been uh you know five two loss. I think the loss of Tyler Johnson is going to hurt this team a little it, bit. What do you think they do about that? Are they, is as this a Reichel moment? I I think they're really really going to be conservative with bringing Reichel up. Yeah, I think he's good. They're going to look for a couple pockets in the schedule where they're maybe not heavy teams, mm-hmm. and he could play in three or four consecutive games in a top six role. And uh, give him an opportunity, see how it goes. But then he goes right back to Rockford. I, I don't. I don't think he's. I, I do think when it's all said and done, because of trades, he's going to end up playing around forty games. Okay. I, I would. So the, Johnson's been in the top six role basically the whole year. Yep. They don't. Ha- I mean, you saw them. I think it was Kara skated on that line. Like I, I appreciate Jujar Kara, straight line guy, hard nose guy. He's not a top six guy. At all, in any circumstance. Reichel is. So I don't know how long Johnson's supposed to be out with this ankle, but if it's... Four to six. Four to six. Hey, why don't you have a nice Christmas in Chicago, Lucas? Yeah. Come on up here. I used to invite the the folks from Germany. Do some shopping over here. Get get ready for the holidays. And then, uh, and, and, you know, it's not like he's off to a slow start in Rockford. He's got seven points in five games. So he's clearly a dominant player at that level. If you want to... You know, give him a little bit, give him a, not, maybe not a Thanksgiving dinner, but a little snack meal, a little turkey leg here and there. I think that's a good way to do it and get him in the mix and make him feel part of, you know, I think there's an inclination to protect him, like you're saying. But you also, if the culture is as strong as what it sounds like from Richardson and Kane, we heard in that soundbite, you want him to feel part of that too. Right. You don't want him to come in and be like, that's well, right. when those guys f- are already gone. Right, yeah. exactly. So you want him to be able to, point. to buy in. And I think it's like if you have clear expectations, be like, hey, you're up until Tyler Johnson's gone. Regard, I don't care if you're four points a game, you're going back down. And, I, and just, but work. <laughs> work hard and uh, and get to uh, and get to a place where you're improving your game, and then work on those things in the American League when it's uh, when Johnson's back. So we talked about this last week about in this league you win when you hit on your first round picks, yep. and we used the example of the two teams in the Western Conference Finals last year, the Oilers and the Avalanche. Yep. Of the forty skaters in that Western Conference Finals, twenty two of them were first round picks. Mm-hmm. Of the 22, 12 of them were top 10 picks. Okay, so you got to, not only do you, you have to have first rounders, you got to hit on them, and you got to hit on your top 10 picks. Uh, Nick Bodan was uh, traded this week. Mm -hmm. One of those scenery things, like, yeah, it wasn't working out here. He goes back to Montreal, where he's from. Very clogged death chart for the Blackhawks organizationally, anyways. So, Evan Barrett. Uh, Penn State kid, I, I was sad about kid. that one. I he, liked it. I liked him a lot. I, he was one of those guys that went viral and playing college hockey all the time. He, he has like some Andrew Shaw in him. He looked good in those World Junior tournaments for the United States. I I was assuming that he would get his skating going a little bit and be like a guy that we fell in love with on the fourth line. Yeah, and just never really materialized. So hopefully it works out for him. Change of scenery. Back he go, he goes back to Philly, which is where he's from. Hopefully that works out. But your point about Bodan. I mean, 
this is this is about as bad of a resume as a general manager can have as a as a drafter. Kevin Hayes, uh, Kevin Hayes wanted to sign after his junior year. The Hawks said, "We don't think you're ready." He goes back. He BC, I think, wins the national championship. He's on the line with Johnny Hockey. He's like, "Actually, you know what? I'm good." Got out of town. Uh, obviously, signed with the Rangers. He's been a great pro for ten years. Uh, Philip Deneau traded before he became anything. Yeah, that was the trade. Uh, where the Blackhawks traded to Montreal, and who did they get? Um, it, it was it was Dano, um, and I believe a second round pick for Fleischman, Fleischman and Dale Weiss. Dale Weiss, yeah. And and they came as a package deal. They mm-hmm. were rentals. Here's the thing: if they had held on to Philip Dano, I don't know if the rebuild is where it is right now. They, it, he would have been a top. Totally. Six center mm-hmm. for you, Johnny, and him would for the last f- five years. Maybe you never make the 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 Anisimov Panarin trade because it's like, well, we don't need another, right? You know, like that was he was a key component. You know, it's just like one of those like butterflies. That, that's one that like I don't think gets mentioned enough. Is is if Deneau was still with the Hawks? Oh, I mean, he's he, he is like a smaller version of Jonathan Taze, where he's great on the dot, super smart, super competitive. Uh, has enough offense where you know you like when he's out there. You can play him in the top six, but if you want him to be your third center, that's fine too. He's a tremendous hockey player. I was actually kind of hoping they had a little. I mean, it was probably the wrong time, but that summer where he ended up going to LA, it made a big difference for them. Yeah. Now, now they're you know they're a playoff team. I thought that oh man, can the Hawks find five million for it? No, would have been would have been nice because he's still young enough that it would matter. Um, but no. Uh, Mark McNeil, obviously bust, bust happened. Traded Taravainen for to get out of Bickle's contract for one year. That never made any sense. Traded Hartman, didn't know what they had. They tried to push that narrative out that uh, he wasn't. He's just not fast enough. Yeah, well, he's was... got thirty goals in the NHL last year. Like yeah. he's he was just never healthy here. Uh, once he got healthy, he's turned into a very. They good got player. a number one pick for him, which is probably the Bodan. That, that is the that is the Bodan pick. Okay. That is the Bodan. So it was pick. a wasted pick. Wasted pick. Uh, Schmaltz. I was never the biggest Schmaltz guy, but you know. They turned a first-round pick who was productive into uh, Dylan Strom, who they let walk. Yoke Haru, obviously, Bocas traded, Boden traded, Doc traded. So that's a decade of blowing first-round picks. Yeah. And you want to look at, like, how is Washington? Not Forget about you know Colorado and Edmonton because they had to be down. Your contemporaries are Boston, Washington, Pittsburgh. They're all still in the mix because they have – Drafted they may have hit on half of them, right? They, where you're looking at a decade and none of them stuck. Correct, and some That's of those were very high picks. A huge indictment. And then you know, and it's like I I never get on st- on stand for the 16 trade where they got uh, Andrew Ladd back and they gave up a first round pick that went to Winnipeg for that because it's like, wow, you needed a top six left wing. You're coming off a cup. You're you're in the mix certainly. Kane's having an MVP year. You got to get Taves going. Let's go get Andrew Ladd. And I was like thrilled. I I was tweeting blogging about that on my way to the united center you get to the united center it's like they got dale weiss too like what you got andrew ladd what do you need dale weiss for right so it was like it just never i don't know they just didn't know what they were doing they just did not know what they were doing you want to know why things are so dire that that is it right there you just look at uh, the failure to hold on to number one picks over a decade span hey coming up next the original number 19 you hear him on NBC Sports Chicago and on the radio side as well. He is Troy Murray. He will join us next. But first, 
The uh, Calder Cup champions, they're back in action. Now's your chance to win a four-pack of Wolves ticket for a date of your choice by the end of November. Be caller number 5-312-332-3776. Caller number 5, you're heading to a Wolves game. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Rolling on on The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. Blackhawks back in action tonight. They take on the Buffalo Sabres. You can see that game on NBC Sports Chicago. Chris Vosters and Troy Murray will be on the call. And uh, number 19, the former Blackhawk great, joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. How are you doing today, Troy? I'm good, Pat. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm trying to, to still make some sense out of what I saw on Thursday night. Was that one of the most bizarre <laughs> second periods you've ever seen? Yeah, that was pretty wacky. I think it was 14 minor penalties, if I, on the top of my head, That's in correct. that penalty, um, under five minutes of five on five hockey in that period. Uh, just crazy. And when you look back on it, in the 80s when I played, were they penalties? No, it's just the way the game was played. In today's game, were they penalties? Yes, I thought the referees actually did a pretty good job um, of calling the penalties that were. Um, you know, presented to to them in the game. So, you know, unfortunately, for some people, they want to see five on five. But I thought it was exciting. There was five on threes. There was four on threes. It was just uh, it was all over the map. A lot of excitement. I think the ref might have had more speaking time on the mic than you did that period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at the end of the game, there was a couple I thought penalties that probably would have been called earlier. But I said the referee's arms were tired from calling so many penalties that they couldn't lift them. Just getting those traps going, just holding that holding that shoulder up that way. What, what do you make of the start of this season? Because obviously everyone was anticipating it to be kind of long, painful, tough hockey to watch. But it's been it's been very enjoyable. So, do you think this is sustainable? Uh, well, I, I don't know if the results um, will continue the way that they are right now for the Blackhawks, but sustainable the way they're playing, absolutely, and and. You know, whether you understand what's going on or not, um, you know, Kyle Davidson has assembled a, a group of players that are, are high energy. You've seen that. Uh, they compete like crazy. Every game they've been, they've worked through 60 minutes, if not more, whatever they've had to do. Um, their speed and their size. And at the beginning of the season, I said that this is a team that if you take lightly, you're going to be in trouble. And at the end of the night, unlike so many times in the past couple seasons, the opposition team is going to know that they were in a hockey game. There is going to be no easy nights for the opposition. You might not get the results that you had right now. The high-end skill that you're seeing on some of these teams when you start playing them, maybe making a difference in the game. You saw it the other night in, a, in the game against Edmonton. Dreisaitl, you know, scores the goal with the less than a minute to go those players can make the difference. And we've seen that so many times with Kane and Taves and Sharp and Hoss over the years, that those elite players just make the difference in the game. Um, but I love what Luke Richardson has done with this team. It's been a huge buy-in from the, from the group of guys, and they just work hard, and they're having fun. 
Um, they've scored, you know, four plus goals, and I think the last five games, which is incredible. When you looked at what was going on in the preseason, you're going, man, this is going to be painful. How are they going to score goals? Um, you know, they figured it out. It, it's a it's a team that is there's a lot of willingness to get to the front of the net um, and, and battle hard, put themselves in those positions that maybe you you saw too much on the perimeter the last couple of seasons. So. I've really been impressed. I think the effort itself, to answer your question, will be sustainable. The results will will come and go, um, you know, during the season. But you know, and goaltending hasn't been an issue. It's been really good so far. Mm-hmm. Troy Murray joins us on the hockey show on ESPN One Thousand. The day that Luke Richardson was uh, ad- uh, introduced to Chicago, the fans and and the media, it was at the Blackhawks store on Michigan Avenue. You were there. And you turned to me when he was done and you said, he's got a presence. Now that you've watched him, not only on the bench, but with the, the team, whether it's at the hotel or practice or whatnot, it, you, you talked about the buy-in that this team has. What kind of impact has Luke had on this group? Because Chief and I were saying, if, if you put Luke behind the bench of last year's team, they might have been a playoff team. I think that the players really respect the fact that uh, he was a longtime NHL player. He knows what it takes to be in the NHL. He understands the dynamics of a team. And, and actually, you know, Pat, we had, we, had, we had a really good conversation with Luke the other day. Um, you know, he spent, I think, six seasons with the Edmonton Oilers. When he was young after he came from Toronto, he went to Edmonton and he played with guys like Kevin Lowe. Craig McTavish, some of the leaders of the Edmonton Oilers through their dynasty years, still developing that culture. And I, I and he said, I, I just was amazed at the way that these guys kind of presented themselves as players and demanded, you know, the effort and the the commitment and all that kind of stuff. So the culture of, of Luke Richardson was built as a player. He has brought that culture into the locker room now and when I talked about Joel Quenville for example when Joel Quenville was behind the bench or when he walked in to talk to the media there was a presence there that that you felt and you 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 feel the same thing with Luke Richardson I think there's a calmness about him that the players really like um he has the ability to be to be fiery when he needs to be but I think that the, the way that he approaches the game is something that the players really appreciate. He wants effort. He wants details. He tells them exactly what he expects of, of each player in their roles and what they're supposed to do. And I think that the players have really enjoyed, and we've heard comments from players, that it's a completely different locker room than it was last year. And that has everything to do with the guy behind the bench. It's been this is my kind of team. Just put your get your hard hat on, your lunch pail, and I, I got time for you. It's been great to watch. It's also been great hearing you on the broadcast. How have you enjoyed uh, the transition from radio to TV, and has it been uh, smooth as you're making it look? Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, I'm still learning on the TV side of it. Uh, there's a lot more that goes on on the TV side of it. I, I, I really, and I've done it for so many years, enjoy the broadcast doing it with John Whiteman. We, we have as Luke talks about it, uh, you know, chemistry that you develop, you try and develop between lines and defensive pairings. You know, John and I have had that chemistry for a lot of years. And the one thing about radio is there's no bells and whistles. You have a headset, you watch the game, 
and you talk about the game. That's basically it. On TV, you've got replays, you've got a producer in your ear that's telling you, okay, we're going to go to this, we're going to do this shot and all that shot. Um, sometimes I find myself losing my focus on, on TV, but it's just something uh, that I'll get familiar with. I'm in the middle of a, a run here where I'm doing a, a bunch of consecutive games. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed working with Chris Vosters. I enjoy being on the, on the TV side of it. It's different and it's a, a challenge and, and fun for me to be a part of. And, you know, hopefully it's, it becomes seamless when I switch from radio to TV and, and the, the viewers and the listeners really don't notice a difference in the way that I am approaching and calling the games. And then you also get, uh, you know, a phone call or a text from me saying, hey, can you join us on the pregame show and do a hit with Vosters and you? And you're like, absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, just adding to your plate. Uh, one other thing I, I just wanted to ask you is, you know, like it's been it was great to see Kane on the score sheet the other night. And Jonathan Taves has gotten off to a, a really hot start as well. But some of the guys that uh, aren't the household names, you know, the Lafferty's, the, the Reese Johnson's, the Blackwell's. Dickinson's uh, is there been one or two guys that like kind of jump off the page that you've watched from your perch and said like wow I, I didn't realize uh, he had that in him and and he's he's difficult to play against and he's a, a hard-working type of player that you know Luke is looking for and Kyle Davidson they're looking to find a lot of those types of players yeah that's a good question and I think there's there is a couple guys that uh really stick out in my mind and, and first of all start with Sam Lafferty um, when you're looking to change the makeup of the guys on your roster you don't look any, any further than Sam Lafferty for Alex Nylander two completely <laughs> different types of players and Nylander's got a ton of skill but not the commitment not the, uh, the compete level of, of Lafferty and Lafferty has come in. He's got two goals, five points on the season. Um, two of those, both those goals shorthanded. I mean, he, he might not sh- score another shorthanded goal all season, but what he brings to the table is that speed element, that compete that that uh, you're looking for. Dickinson has been a really nice fit, five points in, in his short time here with Chicago. Max Domi, some some real high praise from Luke Richardson. He's got seven points on the season. Uh, he's in the middle of a four-game point streak right now. And that was kind of your guy that you, you look at the beginning and say, okay, if, if Taves isn't going to play with Kane, who is going to center Patrick Kane? And Domi's done an excellent job. And I think as these games keep moving forward, you find better chemistry. You're seeing better chemistry between after the CU, Domi, and Kane. And, and after the CU, he's a unique player. Uh, in his own rights, I mean, so I'm I'm, I'm kind of like talking about all these players because <laughs> everybody brings something individual that, that has kind of been really special. You you see the speed of after the seal, and the one thing that that I noticed that when you saw Kane in the last couple of seasons, you know he likes to slow it down and make the plays, and 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 in the offensive zone, you've got you know before it was Panarin and then it was Debrinket. Mm-hmm. A different type of style of play in the offensive zone, and with Athanasiu, when he gets the puck, he he's gone, and Domi and Kane basically have to play catch up, you know, to keep up with them. So it's it's a completely different kind of dynamic to that line that that Kane is starting to figure out how to play with, um, because Athanasiu is ahead of the play because of his speed, 
He's not a turn up and, and make plays like a Panarin or, or Debrinket could. He's not that shooter. So Kane has to make some adjustments. But, you know, Athanasiu is getting opportunities. Domi has been really good. Uh, I talked about Dickinson, Lafferty. I think Kershaw was going to get an opportunity with Taves and Radish has, has been impressive. Not only that he's got a couple goals, but his 200-foot game. And then when you see, you know, the fourth line, those kind of guys like Blackwell uh, and Twistle, Reese Johnson, who uh, made his impact felt last game. These guys are all jumping out at me because they just compete. They work hard. And then, you know, the guys on the defense, I thought Jake McCabe was good the other night. Um, it was a, a tough play <laughs> defending <laughs> Connor McDavid, but it happens to the best of the guys in the NHL. But I've been impressed with the, the group of guys and the way that they've handled the defensive side of it. Well, Troy, thanks for your time. We will uh, see you on TV tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks for having me on, guys. Always appreciate it, and any time. It's great. Troy Murray on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. We'll come back to wrap things up on the other side. But first, the defending Calder Cup champs are back in action. Got another chance now to win a four-pack of Chicago Wolves tickets for a date of your choice by the end of November. Be caller number five at 312-332-3776, and you can get your Wolves tickets. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show, Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Thanks to our producer, Charlie Bevins. Thanks to Troy Murray for joining us as well. We're sponsored by the Chicago Wolves. Give away a couple of family four-packs. Wolves back in action tonight against the Milwaukee Admirals at the All-State Arena, 7 o'clock buck drop. It's the special Halloween game, so you might want to check that out. Uh, Barstool Chief, Pat Boyle, another couple minutes here. So when we were talking to Troy about Sam Lafferty, um, and we both like what Sam Lafferty has brought to the table. I love Sam Lafferty. Yeah, like, I'm glad Troy said it. It's like that, the poster child of oh. what Kyle Davidson is looking for You know, yep. throughout his lineup. That, Fast, hard to play against, smart. So here's, here's the question I have for you. Could he be this year's Brandon Hagel? He's 27 years of age, Sam Lafferty, and he's making $1.15 million, and he's got this season and next year. Hagel was really attractive because, you know, he was scoring goals, yep. playing in a top six role on a bad team, and you got two first round picks from Tampa and, and two NHL and two NHL players. Yeah, yeah I, I I think the answer is if someone comes in with a with a package like that, you have to say yes, unfortunately. Because I to me, it's almost like it's well, what's what's his next contract going to look like? Right. Let's keep this guy here forever yes. because he is, and Troy said it. He's the opposite of of Alex Nylander in every possible way. And you win with guys like Sam Lafferty, right? And and I I know like the theory is like well you can always find a bottom six guy, not really, not like that. Like the an Ivy League educated guy who can skate is physical, who can play on the penalty kill, who can play multiple positions. He is a Swiss Army knife, and he I would say that he is undervalued at his current deal based on how he's playing. Having said, you know, so it would take a brand for me, it would take a Brandon Hagel Hagel. trade. If someone's like, hey, we'll give you a second and, you know, maybe a a, something to consider later, pick to, you know, whatever. 
No. It's got to be a one and something else. Yeah, and and you just don't know what the timeline is for this rebuild because there's so many variables. So yeah. if, it, if it gets to the point where this thing is humming along and, and Kane says, you know what, give me another extension. Well, then you hand out one to Sam Lafferty, too. And, and because eventually you're going to need guys to play, whether Kane's here or not, and surround people and have... Sam Lafferty is a guy who can wear a letter on this team someday. Like that's the way that I look at him. Where it's like he's going to grind every day. He's going to show up to work every day. He's a Richardson culture, Davidson culture guy. He's, uh, Blackhawks going to win tonight in Buffalo. They are. They are. <laughs> they okay. Are. I think. I think they are. Mark I think they down. can take advantage of a young team. Barstool Chief will not be doing push-ups tonight unless Notre Dame somehow collapses. No, I. I, I mean, I'm just getting fatter than ever because as soon as I said that, everybody, <laughs> all my teams, changed. the Bears, every, everything's going our way here in Chicago. I, I like that you have all your appendages and there's it's it's still it's, sutured up a little still bit. Still sutured but. up. Another another week of stitches being in there, but that's looking a lot better. Everything's everything's going my way except for my BMI. So that's going. <laughs> the wrong way coming up next it's white Sox weekly blackhawks back in action tonight against the sabers we'll have it for you nbc sports chicago that's it for the hockey show back at one o'clock next saturday so long everybody